We're recording. Um, welcome back to episode two of the Dad Pod Games Cast. Um, I think we've decided to to call it a Games Cast, even though uh, we will occasionally be talking about things that are not games. Um, I'm the host for today. Uh, actually, we're we're co-hosting. Uh, that's that's kind of what we're what we're doing. Uh, but uh, I'm Joe Owens, uh, and on my right, uh, across the internet and north, up all the way to Minnesota, <laughs> is um, Eddie Rathke. Howdy. We uh, spent some time last time talking about uh, uh, any number of different things, um, not least of all, or a lot, not least of which, was um, Super Mario RPG, which uh, got some pretty exciting news. We are not uh, necessarily a timely news oriented podcast but uh i think it's safe to say that this warrants uh, a little bit of uh talking about uh eddie why don't you let us know what uh, what happened yeah i mean i think anytime you bring up a 25 year old game in a podcast or any kind of format and then within a week or two a remake is announced that's pretty notable <laughs> yeah um, so when when people listen to that first episode it's not because we purposefully ignored the remake it just it wasn't announced yet um, but it is announced now, and so I'm pretty excited. It, uh, it looks both uh, exactly like what you want it to look like, and there are clearly some differences that you can see from some of the screenshots. Yeah. Um, not really visual differences, but it seems like mechanical differences. Yeah. That, There's some kind of percentage it'll thing. Be, it'll be there. super interesting to see what those um, end up being. Like, uh, it, it, it doesn't look like a a step-for-step, frame-by-frame reimagining, necessarily. Right. Yeah, I think that... My guess is that the main difference is going to be something mechanical, because... uh, Which is interesting, because Mario RPG by itself is sort of idiosyncratic in its mechanics, in that no one else really does what they do mechanically, especially with uh, fighting. Right. And adding a bit of platforming to an RPG, which is uh, pretty unusual. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really... Uh, one of a kind. I mean, I know that. Um, I mean, we we haven't really seen much uh, other than again, like we said last time, the Paper Mario games that have done really anything that's tangentially related to what they did in Mario RPG. And now they're, uh, I don't know, a little. I, I don't know. I want to see what they do with the formula. I think it. I think it will be cool. Yeah, and I think bringing back timed attacks to a much because you know the gaming audience now is just way larger than it was. 30 years ago right and so bringing this back in front of people i think is going to do some interesting things and uh my hope is that this remake means that they're they're coming back to this version of mario rpg um the relationship between square and nintendo seems to have healed or at least is uh much more friendly so i wouldn't mind seeing a continuation of this and with the constant clamoring for more geno uh, you know, this feels like the perfect time to reintroduce yeah. that. Maybe, maybe even the uh, whatever the next Smash Brothers looks like. Maybe Gino will finally make it in to Smash oh, yeah. as they're as they're clamoring for him just feverishly <laughs> <laughs> from 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 wherever they're wherever they are. They they seem to be a very vocal. I don't know if they're a majority, but they're absolutely vocal. Um, number of if number of fans that want him vocal, in there. Yeah, if they're vocal, it's almost never a majority. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's that is true. Although they wouldn't um, they wouldn't have to be vocal right. if they were the majority. 
I, look, I, I'm just still waiting for our uh, official North American translation of Mother 3. Uh, if I can just <laughs> get that at some point, I'll take a straight up port. Uh, it doesn't even have to be enhanced in any kind of way. Just uh, just yeah. an official one, so I can so so that I can buy a copy and put it on the shelf. That's all. I, that's all I want to do. That's all I'm asking for. Nintendo, <laughs> make it happen. I, I've been thinking of. Uh, I was thinking for a long time of playing. I've never played Earthbound. Oh my goodness! So I was thinking of just playing Earthbound first, but I have actually Mario or uh, Mother One, Two, and Three. So I might actually play the first one, even though I know it's. It's not the one anyone talks about, but I mean, why not? It's not. It's not bad. Um, I have not beaten it. Um, I've pl- probably played a third of it, maybe somewhere between a third and a half. Um, and I li- uh-huh. and I liked it. It is, uh, given that it's older, it does have a uh, this older, you know, Nintendo, uh, Famicom, uh, heart like level of difficulty that a lot of the games of the oh, time sure. had. Um, but it's. I mean, you can ab- absolutely see. Uh, the the seeds being planted of what would become Earthbound, which um, you know I've mentioned before, is is one of my favorite games. It's constantly in rotation in my top five or six games of all time. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. I just I really love it. Um, I'm making my way through. Uh, I'm actually making my way through Mother Three right now. I kind of take uh, breaks as I go through it because it's like one of those games that I it's it forces me to like sit with it, like. Sure. Uh, I mean, maybe it doesn't even necessarily force you to sit with it, but I'm finding a lot of um, really interesting. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say epiphany. It sounds too like like profound things are happening. I mean, I understand that it's a video game, but it's like <laughs> it's a really it's a really interesting game in that it it, it comes like really from a, a place that I I, I thought uh, couldn't be topped in Earthbound. But it's giving me the impression that maybe it might be uh, in Mother in Mother Three, which is uh, uh, really exciting to uh, when, like when I come back and jump back into it. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it for a certain amount of time and I'm gonna put it down because like I want to kind of like extend this. Where you know a lot of games I like to kind of sort of get through. I play it for the story, you know, and so I get through it to yeah. the end. And uh, uh, if I really love it, I'll go back and do all of the side stuff like later uh i really like it when you have that option uh versus needing yeah. to start over and do another playthrough um but mother three is one i'm just really kind of savoring and uh uh i i will i will say without giving anything away um because i like to change the names uh and you know like mother three is they're, they're translated anyway so they're not necessarily 100 percent accurate but do not name the characters uh, when you go to play it after yourself and your family and that's all i'll say uh just uh, just pick different names yeah <laughs> that's funny yeah it's, it's <laughs> mistakes were made to, yeah it's <laughs> it's it's interesting to think of um because i hear people do this with books a lot um where they will be you know uh like Car- cormac mccarthy just died and yeah. he has 12, 12 novels r.i.p so it's a it's it's a fixed yeah r.i.p it's a fixed amount so uh, some people will be like, okay, well, these are the only 12 I'm ever going to get. Um, I liked this one, so I don't want to just blast through them. I want to kind of pace it out through my life. Um, and so you hear that with things like books, but I don't think I've ever heard that with games. Um, possibly because games don't have the same kind of uh, authorship, I guess you could say, right. as books. I mean, unless you're talking like, about something like something from Hideo Kojima or... Right. Um, you know, like these these names that are so ingrained 
you know, with people and their association associations with the game that like it's almost as if for some people that only Hideo Kojima was involved with making Metal Gear Solid. There was no no, no team, <laughs> just just Kojima. Uh, yeah, and, by uh, himself. Yeah, and the you know, like, and so I think that that's maybe the closest we get. But uh, and not just him. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not listing all of the other ones that are associated. No, yeah, yeah. Like Yoshi the, P is but, the only one working on Final Fantasy 14. It's just one dude making exactly. this giant <laughs> MMO. But it is true that, like, uh, you know, with even film, you think of directors more than you think of franchises. Right. Whereas video games are the exact opposite. And part of that is probably because of the, um, I guess you could say, the diffuseness of the authorship. Like, uh, you know, a film is made by dozens of people right but a game is made by hundreds of people always you know so. <laughs> almost always unless you're talking about smaller indie but we're talking i think we're sort of referencing these larger uh like more towards triple yeah. a or at least double a uh yeah uh, productions but i mean even if you go back to the 90s like i think um i think even final fantasy 7 was like a team of you know 50 something like that yeah it was very small it was very yeah. well comparatively. We thought it was huge yeah. at the time when you were comparing it to like maybe right. like Final Fantasy VI. Uh, yeah, Final Fantasy VI I think was twenty. Yeah, um, which I was just reading about this, uh, which is why um, post Final Fan- post Square when Sakaguchi left, he decided that he never really wanted to have a development team larger than twenty. Yeah, I was like, ah, oh, that's interesting, you know, because I think it probably reminds him of the the fun and kind of freewheeling nature of yeah. the early days of square and it's more like um, it's more intimate like i feel like the the everyone who's involved on it is more involved at each step like they're more um i don't know maybe they feel like their voices are more heard and taken into consideration where uh on these like ubisoft teams that make uh, assassin's creed games that like you're just like a, a very small cog in a very large machine yeah it's like the henry ford model of a uh, video game design yeah um one thing that's funny about early Final Fantasy is Yoshitako uh, Amano, who mm-hmm. did the uh, the artwork, um, he talks about how he was also a playtester for the early games. And it's not because he had any experience doing that, but they were just like, hey, do you want to stick around and play this game and find out where it's broken? Yeah, like look, <laughs> yeah. look for the bugs and, you know, maybe exploits. Although, you know, RPGs aren't known for their exploitability uh, in the... Yeah. in the in the sense of like you know like maybe platformers or something but uh yeah that's it's just crazy that so many people were would wear so many hats um right. on these older games and, and sometimes that's... that led to them having like even uimetsu who uh you know is a very famous games composer now mm-hmm. he was just a struggling musician that like knew these guys basically like yeah. hey uh will you will you make the songs sure just <laughs> just out there making you know these uh these prog rock jams and he's like you know eventually trying to figure out ways to uh, incorporate that into his music which yeah he does successfully but um i can talk a yeah. little bit more about that a little bit a little bit later yeah it's funny because i was talking to someone recently about um because they were wondering like how do you get into video game now like you know and the answer seems to still be true that the way the best way through unless you have you know some other connection is in through playtesting right so just being a bug a bug catcher yeah um and hopefully you meet someone in the in the company who's like hey you seem like you could do this or there's you know an internal hiring thing and you are able to do it that way and i think that is still kind of how a lot of 
how people get into games. Yeah, and that's is... 100% true. Uh, I have a, a really yeah. close friend who just recently moved back to uh, to Nebraska because they're you know able to do so much remote work. But um, her name is Julie. Shout out to Julie. Uh, she <laughs> uh, started almost right out of college. We were friends in college, and she, if I if I recall, like got these crazy jobs at like like Lucas Arts and stuff, and uh, you know, and and is now um, you know sort of like. Gosh, I don't even know what her official title is, but she's doing way more than uh, playtesting, uh, right? Um, on uh, some bigger, some bigger games involved with, uh, with, with Epic and and things. So it's just, uh, yeah. it's, you just got to kind of, it's got to be kind of a grind, I think. Yeah, unless you get lucky, and I mean, that's kind of how to, <laughs> how do you make it in any career? Luck is a huge component. But I was looking at um, the guy who, you know, wrote and directed the recent God of War games. Mm-hmm. the i guess you could call it a reboot and he started as just a concept artist for the first one yeah and like he was doing some minor design work and then for whatever reason is this Raph um, grassetti Rafe, no Rafe um i can't remember now i'll look it up oh the director uh cory Bar- barlog that's his name yeah 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 and so he for whatever reason was handed you know the directorship of the second game and then mm-hmm. he's just it's just been his series since then. Yeah, because it was da- like, David Jaffe first and then Jaffe maybe gave it gave it over to him at the time. Was that is that how that I'm trying to remember. I think that's how it went. Way I back guess. In the day. I mean it's it's unclear to me now, just doing a little bit of browsing that I was doing, how it worked. But you know, for from from my vantage point, it just seems like it was just a random guy on the team that for one reason or, or another, they said, Hey, uh, it's your turn to make the next game. Yeah. And <laughs> it's probably a sink or swim moment for him. It was probably pretty scary, but right. he did all right. And now it's, you know, the series is his. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's uh, really Kratos is now like almost the face of PlayStation. Uh, there's a couple yeah. franchises. Uh, it used to be more like, I don't know, maybe Nathan Drake or something from Uncharted. But now it's uh, almost certainly uh, at this point, it's probably Kratos as the, as the face of uh, PlayStation and uh, their their prestige lineup which is really like you know the the video game equivalent of prestige tv at this point um, right which is funny because um i don't know how many god of war games there were before god of war 2018 but i played exactly none of them yeah and <laughs> and like i i knew about them but it, i wasn't ever that interested in them which is yeah. why i never played them but then you know the 2018 one comes out and it it really does catapult you know that character to the forefront of playstation right and sony yeah i and i'm i i, I kind of wonder if like maybe i was like like uh, the the target audience for that game given that you know I'd, I'd had a kid at the time it had you know come out uh both my both my boys were born when it came out actually and uh there's just a lot of uh relating to kratos and his struggle sometimes to uh communicate with atreus not quite uh, not quite on the same level as, as he has. I would hope that I'm a little bit more uh, like in touch with my, you know, feelings and sensitivity than he is. But um, um, just seeing, you know, there's just like, there's always struggles in parenting, I guess it's kind of where yeah. I was going with that. And, um, you know, even this dude who's legitimately, literally the God of war <laughs> is running into these like mundane, like parenting problems. And that was just kind of both fun and funny for me to uh to, to go through but i was uh, you know i was in hook line and sinker when that came out yeah it's funny because i didn't play it until well it was during COVID, so it was either 2020 or 2021 um and because when it came out i had ha- i had not yet had uh a child 
and then by that point I did. So yeah, um, it definitely. I'm I'm glad that I didn't play it right yeah. away. Um, not because there's any. I don't know, you hear a game's really good, and you're like, oh, I should play that, and then years go by, and you haven't even bought it. Oh, that, that's, <laughs> uh, that, that, I mean, that that happens to me, and I, I mean, I buy, obviously, a lot of games, and then they sit in the shrink wrap for a while, but, like, there's still so many that are, you know, like, critically acclaimed that I just, like, just don't have, and I'm like, I keep meaning yeah. to check that out, but I just uh, don't have time. <laughs> it's just kind of how it goes. Man, we should do a God of War episode once I play Ragnarok, which oh, you should. I, I keep I keep holding off because I keep waiting to be gifted a playstation 5 i understand and this. that that day does not seem to be coming so i'm probably just gonna buy a playstation 5 and since i have the playstation 4 version i think it just like yeah it's it's either it's like, either 10 bucks it. or it's either 10 bucks or free um i don't remember because yeah. they were gonna they, they were free all the upgrades were all free and then yeah uh i remember horizon being one of the last first party the new horizon was going to be one of the last yeah. first party games but then I, I i can't remember if god of war was or was not uh like grandfathered in on the deal um but it's yeah, worth it it's, i think it, it's, it's worth it. it was i don't know if it still is but yeah i mean 10 bucks whatever yeah i mean um, it's it's real good it's real good <laughs> yeah and i i loved the uh 2018 version so i've been excited to play it and uh but yeah once i play that we should have a god of war episode yeah. because we could probably easily talk for the rest of this episode about just god of war 2018 yeah yeah but <laughs> but we should get to uh so last week i picked super mario rpg as you know a foundationally important game to me Mm -hmm. and we were going to include joe's game and uh we ran out of time so now is as good a time as any to sometimes you just like when you're when you're doing a podcast and you're you're unsure of of what it is you're doing you kind of look at the timestamp and you're like oh okay well we're at like an hour and 15 minutes and we're, we're we are i promise you uh listeners we are shooting for an hour. Uh, sometimes we might just uh, go a little bit over. Um, and, you know, we're, we'll kind of obviously take all the feedback that we get. Um, toward the end of the episode, we'll mention um, uh, Eddie set us up a, an email address for questions. Uh, we didn't bother mentioning it the first time because there's not going to be listeners for an episode one. Uh, and there are probably not going to be very many listeners yet. But we're going to start mentioning uh, where you can send questions and try to answer them, answer them the best we can. Um, but yeah, yeah. And it'll be in the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get all the all that stuff that podcasters do that you know make it good and legit. Um, <laughs> yeah, so man, I really struggled coming up with what game I wanted to pick because I am often uh, accused, not in necessarily a, a negative way, but of being like overly optimistic about uh, the games that I play. But I I just tend to just play stuff that I kind of feel like I know I'm gonna like. Um, every now and again, I'll, I'll, I'll branch out and maybe not dig something as much. Um, but I mean, I legitimately have a, a, a rotating like top four, five, six games that are constantly, you know, my my number one. Like if someone's to ask and they're like, you got to sit with this. Is this your favorite game of all time? Like, yeah, I could be all right with that. Like, you, you know, it, yeah. life on the line, you got to pick. Is this your game of all time? And I'm like, yeah, I can I can I can stick with that. And, uh, you know, and I, I sort of mentioned them last time, but, you know, those games are basically like Chrono Trigger, Bloodborne, Earthbound, uh, Live Alive, both the original uh, Super Famicom uh, version and the newly released HD 2D version for Nintendo Switch. Um, but the game I really came down to needing to talk about first, I feel like, is is Final Fantasy VI, which was um, obviously sold to us here as Final Fantasy III. Um, we didn't get 
the Japanese versions of Final Fantasy 2 and 3 until much later, and they were kind of like included on some collections and stuff. Um, we might talk about them sometime, but I'm not really going to mention anything about them here. Um, we did get Final Fantasy 2 for Super Nintendo, which was 4 in Japan, um, and then we missed another one, which was 5. Um, also an excellent entry. 4, 5, and 6 are probably my three favorite, uh, if you have to like just pick the... The, a string like, of three? A string of three, yeah. Uh, not my three favorite overall, but if you're going to pick a string of three. Uh, seven, eight, and nine are probably close. I'm not going to say super close uh, because I love four and uh, six so much. And so my game for today is going to be, it's got to be Final Fantasy VI. Um, you know, I, I played four. Uh, I It's kind of a weird story. I played, my first Final Fantasy game was Final Fantasy One for Nintendo. But I was, for whatever reason at the time, not despite liking uh, all of the themes and all of the uh, uh, the things and systems that it included, it just really didn't grab me at the time. Um, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what it was. I think I was just more into, um, I was really getting into like beat em ups, like the turtles games. I really liked them despite like not being fantastic. Uh, <laughs> the best turtles game on Nintendo though, is the, is, is the one that no one talks about. And it's the third one. Uh, what is it? The man, the Manhattan project, I think. Um, I just always called it Turtle, I don't even know that one. Turtles 3. Because like Turtles 2 was the arcade game. Turtles 1 had nothing to do with <laughs> the actual arcade game. Um, it was just this really <laughs> kind of like hard, hard as nails uh, platformer. Um, Turtles 2 is the one that uh, got real famous in the arcades. And then 3 was just this this thing that came along kind of late in the NES's life. And I was like, this is just absolutely my jam. And I liked wrestling games too. So like, you know, I played Final Fantasy 1. I, I never beat it uh, at the time. I was like, yeah, this is fine uh i wish it was x y and z i meant i think i had a whole list of things i wish it did better uh final fantasy 2 came out on super nintendo and i kind of waited uh to play it and i remember getting it uh at a, a shop co i don't know if do you have shop did you did you guys have shop co's in 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 minnesota growing up if we if we did i do not know what it was the only it's funny now because the only shop codes we have left are Shopco optical it's like it's weird like everything around it like you know imploded and shop has gone except for their like eye stores and so there's like still Shopco Shopco opticals around omaha but Shopco yeah, would always it looks like it was founded in uh green bay wisconsin which is the weirdest place to found oh, anything absolutely 100 percent. but i had a Shopco real close to my house so i could always <laughs> like i could always go you know convince my you know mom and dad to or less my dad but mostly my mom to take me down there and like look at the games and i remember getting final fantasy 2 in the clearance bin it was only like 20 bucks back when super mm-hmm. nintendo games could be had brand new in shrink wrap for 20 bucks um and uh i liked it and i also did not beat final fantasy 2 uh this is this is, it was so weird because you know you're talking like early 90s this is like my jam especially with like the books i was reading but um i think i might have gotten to like a difficulty spike and i was under leveled and i didn't really have very many friends who played role-playing games so no one taught me about like grinding like if right. i would have just thought about it just just go level your dudes up but i was like oh this is just incredibly hard at this spot maybe i maybe this isn't for me but then final fantasy 3 in 1994 came out uh aka final fantasy 6 and it, like changed my entire world like um i have a right. theory that whatever your favorite game is when you're roughly around the age of 13 14 years old uh is like gonna be probably like your favorite game of all time and if not it's gonna like stick in your top five and it's weird because (laughs) yeah i mean this the same is true for i think especially for music Mm -hmm. like 
I still know all the words to songs that I haven't listened to in 20 years because I loved them that much. And it's like, you know, your, your brain is a a mess of hormones just freaking out, right? Latching out like an octopus onto anything. It It sure is stickers on there and it never lets go. So it's a, it's a wild time to be alive. Yeah, man. 13, 14 is like, so, so such a weird age because you want to be grown up, but like, you still got like these things you want to do, like when you were a kid and you got all these like social like influences coming in that you may or may not even want. And man, I'll tell you, like playing, playing through final fantasy three, which, uh, you know, was just, was, it just was mind blowing because number one, the visuals, like everything in that game, like looks so good to me at the time. And, and even still to me, looks, looks pretty good. Um, like I was just like blown away from the start all the way to the finish. And I remember being almost in tears when it was over because it was the first game I'd ever experienced that, like I didn't want it to end. Like I was, sad, I was like literally sad that it was over. And I, I don't know that I'd ever had that experience, even with books, which I love. Um, I've always loved, you know, reading and stories. And I just couldn't believe that this, this, this piece of media, uh, and it was doing a thing that I never really gave it credit for doing, uh, like impacted me so much. And uh, yeah, you know, so much, so much of that game is just is just etched just indelibly into my memory in in, in a way that very few things uh, uh other things are and it, had i not played it um there'd be no you know chrono trigger in my top five there'd be no earthbound because right. it's what set me down this path i'm like no i love these games and then i went back and then i beat final fantasy 2 i'm like wow i really should have beat this sooner because this is this is just <laughs> incredible um it, <sighs> i think it's one of those things kind of what you mentioned you know you were primed to like these games in a sense because of because you liked books. So right. I always thought of RPGs growing up as sort of, you know, books that you play. Right. But hundred uh, percent. I think it's true that like had had the first uh, RPG game that I encountered been terrible, I would have been like, oh, stories are for books. Yeah. Uh, games are Mario. Yeah, games are Mario, yeah. and then maybe <laughs> like, maybe a, like a Ninja Turtle or like another yeah, yeah, like exactly. ca- cartoon that you like because that was real big back then, uh, making cartoons into games. But like the the other reason I want to talk about Final Fantasy VI today too um, is f- first and foremost it was it was literally the first game that I had ever said like in my entire life like I can't wait to play this with my kids someday. I was like the story mm-hmm. is so good. Like I like my, you know, I I can't imagine a kid my age or around my age, not just really vibing with what's happening in here. Um, Right. It's just, uh, it was like epic in a scope in, in scope in a way that like very, very few, if any games were at the time, like they just weren't Mm -hmm. spectacle the way that this was. Um, And it was like, there had ever been a game that uh, spoiler alert, uh, upends the whole map <laughs> yeah no yeah no kidding or i'm gonna i'm absolutely gonna uh, gonna talk about that because like the the it, now to be fair uh had you owned the game at the time uh like i did lucky enough to get it for you know a, a, a christmas present it, it it comes with games used to come with maps uh right and, and good instruction manuals but the map like was two-sided and one side was your regular map that you would get in any other game and rather than being a poster on the other side it was the world of ruin and i'm like what is this like what is this interesting and like because you you're never given a clue about what it is until it happens and you're like oh my god like what is happening like i i didn't know if it was like 
like a I don't know not fan art wasn't really a thing at the time that I was aware of but I was thinking maybe it was just sort of like a uh, just like a piece of uh like we were looking at making the world like this but this is what we went with you know the the one that's green right. and blue is the one we decided on is like the the real map it, it'd be fascinating to hear what went into the decision to include that in the manual mm-hmm. because you know I have no idea how much control um squaresoft had at like uh designing their own uh manual right or if that was nintendo's decision or if they were like let's put this in there and not explain it so that yeah you know they know they know that this is a thing they have no idea what it means and then it's kind of like you said like when it happens it's like your brain turns over yeah oh my god this is what they meant yeah it's almost like a piece of foreshadowing that it would be like to put the foreshadowing of a book in the uh, the marketing material. Yeah. Or even like the, the cover part. art somehow. Yeah. 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 Which I guess, I mean, cover art kind of is foreshadowing. But usually uh, it doesn't uh, give you a plot detail that right. significant <laughs> uh, as, uh-huh. as the fact that literally the, the, the world suffers a cataclysm and is, is just, just forever changed. Like, right. Uh, on on a on a complete level like it is a it is it is not just a a little bit of a, a an issue for part of the world is literally the entire world is 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 forever changed um and you can't go back so like you know thinking right. of side side quests i don't remember how many side quests there are up until that point i don't know probably very few um which i mean i just played this like a year ago so i i should know this but i'm also not a side quest person in general yeah but unless they're really good the, yeah, whatever they are, they're very few. But uh, yeah, that is like a, a real definitive way to slam the book on when you're when mm-hmm. you can do a side quest. Yep. I'm trying to think. Doesn't it tell you uh, when you're going to the floating continent that you're about to do a thing where uh, you're not going to be able to uh, do like take care of all your business now because you're not going to be able to later? But that's kind of like the only thing it does. Yeah, and I I think it's clever that they do things like that. Because when I played Final Fantasy VIII for the first time, um, so there there is a fourth disc to Final Fantasy VIII, but the only thing on there is the last dungeon and the the boss. Right. And uh, I got to that point and I was like, okay, well, I'll just you know put in the fourth disc and then I'll go back and you know explore and do all the other things I wanted. Right. Joke jokes on me. Yeah. Uh, I came into an impossible part of the game right? <laughs> because I was just not prepared. Were you under-leveled to... and not having under... enough? Yeah, anything? under-leveled, didn't have, like, you know, even my best available, uh, you know, because sometimes you go and you fight people. You don't have money to get the best available armor, so you're like, I'll just, you know, I could grind or I'll just do it later. Yeah. And I was I was doing it later, and um, later was not going to happen for me. Right. It, it was. It's kind of abrupt. I mean, it, it, it's just like you. I hope you're ready. Um, so, I sorry, sorry if like you're that. not. <laughs> I think it was like you know. Once you go in here, you insert the fourth disc, and I was like, sure, who cares? Right. Um, not realizing that that meant the the previous you know thirty plus hours are gone. Like you, right. you can't interact with any of that anymore. Right. So uh, I still have never beat Final Fantasy VIII. You, 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 at this point, it might even be worth it just to watch. I mean, have you seen the ending? Have you ever just checked out a video to see how it ends? Or do you, have you just been leaving yourself in suspense ever since 
1999. Um, I guess, I guess, yeah, when did, well, when did I play it? I think I played it. I played it right after I played Final Fantasy X, so that would have been like 2001. Okay, yeah, yeah, right, right around um, there. I I'm sure I knew how it ended at some point. I probably, I mean, I could probably, I bet I right now could guess at the ending and be 99% correct. Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. Even down to like what the cinematics are. Right. But uh, you know, I I've been meaning to replay it, and now that I have it on Switch, um, I've had it on Switch for like a year. Or yeah, two, that's how it I, goes. The Switch is like yeah. a, it's, it's where games with you have good intentions to play go to die. At least for me, yeah. I, I have so many on there I need to get to. Yeah. It's, man, Final Fantasy VIII is really good, though. I'm one of those people that actually likes eight more than seven. Um, I don't care for some of the systems in uh, eight, and I don't really like how the protagonist is like as emo and whiny as he is. Um, <laughs> but I like a lot of what it does. Um, I thought the gardens were really cool. Um, I thought that there was a lot of like really neat uh, stuff in it. I mean, I, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to. I guess I don't know why I'm trying not to spoil it. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's so old yeah. too. But I loved Final Fantasy VIII, um, and I, which is funny because like you, I also was not the most keen on Final Fantasy VII. I thought it was good and everything, but right. I remember yeah. thinking that it narratively sort of becomes gobbledygook <laughs> yeah it's it's very unwieldy um in parts and i that's why like i am not bent out of shape at all about some of the creative and artistic choices they're doing with the final fantasy 7 like remake Agreed. because to me to me it was already like very disjoint like it was not this cohesive like masterpiece of like writing and uh like yeah. story that a lot of people I, I don't want to bash those people. I'm not trying to like, just in my opinion, it was not, You're it was not there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're so dumb. If you think it's good, you should read a book. But I do think that there, and some of this no doubt uh, is translational in like, that's the issue, right. um, which Tim Rogers did a good series on that several years ago that you can watch on the World Wide web at youtube.com. Yes. Um, there, are, there but, are, there are a number of things you can watch at that website. I have heard. <laughs> but uh but yeah so it's like i think that that is where some of the confusion in things in the narrative happened is just because like you know the trans the translator was confused working under an insane time crunch right to translate you know basically a gigantic novel in two right. weeks yeah it's, with, it's uh, no sleep with time. no support staff right yeah, and like if he if he had a question about what something meant you know there you could email back then but that was not like a right. You were placing some phone calls and hoping that someone got back to you, but you didn't have time to wait. Like if you didn't have right, the answer, exactly. you had to do, just do your best. Um, so I think that may be part of the problem, but at the same time, it's like I don't know. Final Fantasy VII is cool, but Final Fantasy VIII was way cooler, and right. uh, that's my that's one of my hottest takes from yeah. Final Fantasy. Yeah. But what's funny is also playing these games before the internet really was what it is now, or even what it was you know, 15 years ago. Right. Um, I did not. So people always talk about how the systems are broken, like how annoying the fighting was. Right. I didn't experience any of that. Yeah, I didn't either. I like, I like never questioned any of it. It was just like, yeah, this is how we play this game. Cool. Right. You know, right. <laughs> like, it's uh, what, what do they call it? The dross is it the draw system. Am I, or is yeah, that the I, I honestly don't remember. And see, I think this is part of it is like, I don't remember anything about it because it was so, not notably uh yeah it wasn't egregious it was not glaring yeah it wasn't like screaming at you in the face like this is terrible like i 
I thought Blitzball in Final Fantasy X sucked. I I, I hated that part. Oh man, I loved Blitzball. That was like, like the best part of the game. Uh, yeah, I know. That's what a lot of people <laughs> say. Was, again, Final Fantasy X is also not one of my favorites. I, I'm sitting Same. here just absolutely destroying all these like, sacred cows. I'm going to get our podcast canceled before it ever gets uploaded. But like, you know, I just don't... I'm not a big minigame person. Uh, I should yeah. Get, yeah, get that out of the way. Um, Triple Triad was fine. Uh, I did engage with it more than I engaged with Blitzball. Like Blitzball was one of those things that I only ever did when I had to. Um, but like for, for me though, like some of the stuff that like really sticks out in final fantasies that I did not like over the years uh, of of all the things, uh, the the battle system and whatnot of final fantasy does not come to mind. I just don't think, like you said, I don't think about it. It just, it's just there in the game as I played it. Yeah, I didn't find it frustrating or cumbersome or anything like that. And maybe it's because I had no one else being like, hey, man, this game sucks. Yeah. Um, because I didn't really know anyone else who played these games. Right. And uh, I don't know. I was just like, yeah, this is how this other battle system work. But yeah. I want to say something about Blitzball. Yes. I played probably 30 hours of Blitzball when I played Final Fantasy X. Nice. Um, and I think this is partly due to the fact that I didn't think final fantasy 10 was very good when i was playing it yeah but i i was also playing games like um you know uh not nba jam but one of those similar games has it was like, like a, nba showtime was out at the time i but... can't remember it was it was not like a super realistic one but you could play a season okay. you know and you could trade people sure or maybe it was a base maybe it was a baseball game that you could do this with in any case um finding basically all of a different game inside a final fantasy game right that like i was like man if they just made blitzball its own video game it would be amazing yeah like most people love it like or at least don't dislike it as much as i did i just was like i don't i don't like this at all i think (laughs) it's it's kind of goofy and cumbersome to play but so were a lot of sports games back then right (laughs) yeah but like i think it's it's wild to me that the game the the blitzball which is a game that you really only have to interact with at a few points i think maybe and two, it's two or three times it's very yeah. small and it's never like i mean it's it's uh tangentially crucial to the plot because you're uh you're playing as someone who is a famous blitzball player right in a in a world that died yeah um but uh spoilers no i'm just <laughs> yeah other than that like um you never really have to engage with it so that they put so much work into making it feel like an actual game that you can play. Yeah. You know, p- different players have different moves. They have different special like abilities. You can trade players. Like right. you start, you start with your team and you can trade all of them away. Right. I remember one of the best, uh, one of the best players in the game was this Albed guy. I don't remember his name, Yeah. but I, I I worked to like get him on my team and having him on my team I was like I'm just unstoppable. Yeah. Well, you that's know? how that's like, like kind of how it goes because like it, the systems are not designed to necess- they're designed to bend to a point uh, until you like like you know min-max it to death and then it, they break yeah. because it's just like it, it's just the unstoppable force and there is no immovable object at that point. Right. Because but you like, probably put that, that on your you, team too. <laughs> yeah, but I mean like the fact that you can do all this stuff and that the game itself like Blitzball itself has its own leveling system mm-hmm. based on what you do. Like I can't remember exactly how it works, but um, your stats increase based on you know like if you if you're scoring scoring a lot of goals um, in a season, 
your ability to score goals increases. Right. Um, so it's like this interesting RPG uh, sports game tucked inside of a much larger RPG game that uh, has really nothing to do with this sport except that you can play it. Right. Yeah. It's it's super weird because like I was always kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop when you found out why it was important to the plot of the story that you are playing as a Blitzball player. <laughs> yeah. I think the only thing that you really get from, you know, playing as much of it as I did is that you get the best weapon for either Waka or Titus. I can't remember. Yeah. It's one of the, but, um, one of the, one of theirs. Yeah. But you, you get the best weapon, but like you can get there in, I don't know, let's say 10 hours of Blitzball, probably right. not even that much. Right. But like I, I played another 20 hours beyond that. Yeah, you because know, like because you, you just liked it. <laughs> yeah, and the one time I started, I restarted playing Final Fantasy X. Um, I just played up until you can enter the Blitzball League, yeah. and I just played a bunch of that. Yeah, and then stopped. Yeah, like I yeah. never continued with the story because I was like, this game isn't that good. I yeah. I am excited actually to play it again though because I haven't yeah. played it in I don't know. I was probably fifteen the last time I played it, so that's yeah, twenty years. I was well. I, I got it on release, and I got one of the glitched copies that only very few people are going to remember. It's one of the very first ones where you can get to a point, and I don't remember the details uh, that create this condition, but it basically makes it so you can no, you can't progress. Uh, uh, oh. it, it, it just absolutely screws you over. And so to this day, I've still never beaten ten because I got to the thing, encountered the bug. Because of my original copy, I actually posted this on Twitter the other day, and someone else was like, "Oh my god, I know exactly the bug you're talking about." Then you know, like unlike me, they started over and <laughs> got to the end. Because I think you could get That's to, wild. You could get. To, I think SquareSoft would replace your disc if you sent it into them. I'm like, well, I don't feel like doing that. I'm just. Yeah. I mean, I got thirty, forty hours in, and I was like, well, that's that's Final Fantasy X. I'll never know how it ends. <laughs> yeah, and I think. Uh... So yeah, I also got it on release, but I, I replayed it again when I was 15, which was several just to play Blitzball. But uh, yeah. I am excited to play it again just because, I don't know, I, I, it was never a favorite game of mine, and I probably wouldn't even put it in my top five Final Fantasy games. Well, definitely wouldn't be in my top right. five. Um, but I still remember certain things about it very fondly and very powerfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ending, I think is as nonsense as the uh the last quarter of that game is which is sadly true of most yeah final fantasy games made after final fantasy 9 yeah you're just Um, it's just you sort of accept it it's just gonna yeah be that way but even with that uh there's a very strong emotional resonance that happens at the end where even though some of like the the larger grander epic plot that's happening sort of falls apart into like esoteric nonsense there's still the very real story of these people who have found each other and have found mm-hmm. love in one another and uh it's a good moment yeah but, uh, i've seen i've seen yeah. the videos that's the that's the only way i've in, engaged yeah. with the ending of, of the game <laughs> yeah and uh what's funny too is so that was at the time the final fantasy game that i actually spent the most time in yeah. even setting aside blitzball yeah because I don't know if I'm just if I was just an idiot then. I'd know that I remain an idiot now, but I used to think I was smart. It's important. Um, it's I important could, to know that you don't know anything. It's a that's yeah. I, I found that very helpful for myself. But I literally could not figure out how to get to the end game, 
And so I spent hours just like wandering the yeah. entire map and I got like all the special summons and like everyone's special weapon like if they had uh achievements back then I would have platinumed this game. Oh, yeah. It would be the the one of the only games that I've platinumed. And it's not because I loved it more than like, you know, Final Fantasy any of the ones that were out at the time. Sure. It's just because I was like, where the fuck do is like, the I end? Just, yeah. <laughs> where and, do they and, hide like, it? And especially if you have played games like uh, Dragon Quest, the original one, mm-hmm. where like um, one of the ways that you do something in the game. I can't remember what it is, but it's like you have to go to this very specific spot on the world map and mm-hmm. just hit A. Yeah. And then you like you find this thing and there's no I mean, there's some clue. So like, you know that it's down there, but you yeah. don't know where. And the way that you find it is just wandering, clicking A. Oh, or you find the strategy that's like, you know, it's a, uh, it's 30 spaces from the left and 14 up from yeah, the bottom. It's like, I, it's I would have had a like strategy, that. strategy guide for sure. Cause that's how I played a lot of those games back then. Cause I wanted to find the stuff. So, right. But like, so I, I had th- that kind of thought in my head when I was trying to find, I was like, I just need to step into the, the right map at the right place and a cutscene's going to trigger and I'm going to finish this game. But right. I could not find it. Yeah. And I'm sure it was something that was like, it was so obvious that they didn't feel the need to spell it out. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> I just couldn't find it. Thing, things like that are the bane of my existence because of, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's my, my ADD or not, but like the unspoken stuff, especially yeah. for example, with like building Legos with my, with my sons, um, they will go from step like, you know, 19 to 20. And I'm like, yo, where's step 19.5? Because like, I do not see how you <laughs> got, how, what did you, did you rotate it? Like, is this upside? Like, what am yeah. I looking How did you do this? Uh, and so, uh, you saying that is extremely, extremely relatable. Yeah. And it's funny cause, uh, some of the older games do a lot of older RPG games do this, but it's something I noticed playing final fantasy six recently. Cause so to bring this full circle back full to circle. God, of War, God of War 2018. Um, I played Final Fantasy VII Remake like right before that. And uh, I didn't even realize how much I had fallen into this sort of loop of whenever I would be confused for even like a second, I would just look up what to do next. Right. And um, definitely been there. So I was doing that. I was doing that for all kinds of games for a long time. But playing God of War, you know, when you start, there's no HUD on your screen Mm -hmm. and i was like man this looks pretty good and then like uh a few hours into the game maybe even just like two hours into the game you get the compass and that's where it starts to show you all the things and i turned that off because i it i noticed immediately how intrusive it was to how i played the game and so i just turned it off and i played the entire game essentially blind which was uh fun because you're just kind of wandering around and i think because of the narrative stickiness of like a father and son um you know it's uh it helped me live that more to not have like a you know quest markers right at me but which is the the the, what ubisoft does with other assassin's creed games markers and and things and just uh, the most intrusive hud of all yeah (laughs) of all huds but so like uh it made me realize that this is how i used to play games Mm -hmm. and i was like i should play games like that again so final fantasy 6 was one of the games that i played shortly after that and so uh, I didn't play it with a guide. Um, and it made some of the post R- World of Ruin. Oh, yeah. Very unless, unless you have it memorized, <laughs> probably like I do. Uh, 
you're just it's it's not it's not explicit and i i can't i, I got some stuff that i want to talk about with that because yeah, of ahead. the amount of uh missable things once the world of ruin happens um i i guess I, i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of go in order because i sort of tried to order my thoughts which is a thing that is extremely yeah. hard for me to do but one of the things i the, the reason i wanted to talk about this uh, in addition to like what i've already said is that there's like actually and maybe oddly for the time a lot of like parental and guardianship themes in this in this game um and i don't really think a lot of video games were doing stuff like that at the time um there's there's three main ones that uh that that are pretty specific that i want to talk about um first there's uh, the most obvious is the uh the shadow you know realm and strago uh, uh dynamic which uh you don't explicitly get told and i think you can actually play through the whole game and not realize that shadow is realm's father um you know yeah. that strago is realm's grandfather uh because that's said but uh, uh oh in, in in saying that strago is actually not the parent the father of shadow um he would be like the the the, the grand father the father-in-law yeah um uh and so you get all of these things told to you in very missable ways um, a lot of what you find out about Shadow's past, because he's a very enigmatic, uh, you know, assassin who is a ninja. There's a lot of archetypes happening, but they really did a lot of fun things. Uh, you know, I think uh, like Sakaguchi and friends were like, what if we did a ninja, but Wild West, which I mean, it even like his <laughs> his theme song is, is totally, you know, straight out of like the Wild West. Um, but it works. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, the samurai films that are kind of like, inspired by the wild west and the wild west films that are inspired by samurai right. films there was a lot of like kind of like back and forth um and so you get these these vignettes when shadow sleeps at certain ends throughout the game um and they don't always happen there's only a percentage chance that they're going to happen but you get these like memories and i remember being kind of like weirded out at the time because it's like this kind of creepy uh music and yeah. these sound effects happening uh when he's having these dreams but i realized uh, you're piecing together this 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 character who in other games might just be like an NPC that pops in and once in a while because he will occasionally just just take off from your party. There's no rhyme or reason. Yeah. This is the game that made me a compulsive saver because if once <laughs> I got him in my party, I'm like saving every like three or four minutes because I'm like, you are not leaving because like he's not going to leave at a specific time. It's like a dice roll that's happening probably constantly in the background and he just, you know, when when that role comes up, he leaves. But if you save enough, uh, you can prevent him from leaving. He's not always going to leave at that one spot. Right. And so that's what I did. I'm like, man, like you're not, you got too much of my stuff. Number one, like <laughs> you would always have my like, my good <laughs> equipment. I'm like, dude, you just took off of my mithril vest. Like, <laughs> no. You Back gotta... then, it wasn't like when they left. They left the the stuff they had, like nope. they do now. They just nope. just gone. Yeah, Which it's just sometimes means that like uh, in, in Final Fantasy IV, for example, when someone dies and that, that stuff's gone. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> super gone. And, just, and 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 uh, and as a carryover from four, uh, Shadow can die. Uh, there's a yeah, part. I was going to mention that if you don't wait for him uh, at the end of the world, uh, which is very hair raising. I mean, he does wait till the very last two or three seconds. Um, yeah, and you, you and you 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 are just sitting there waiting. Li- literally, yeah, because for 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 me, after I, I got pretty good at navigating that to where I could get there and just kind of hang out and. Yeah. Uh, even though you know it's coming a uh, second time around, it's still a little like nerve wracking waiting for this character, you know, will come at a certain time. And uh, you just, you just gotta, you gotta have faith. 
And um, yeah. And, and... Well, well, the first time I played Final Fantasy VI, no idea. I just because I think it's you know anytime there's a, a timer on the screen, you're like, oh shit, let's yep. get out of here. Yeah, we gotta get, and we gotta so, move. And I think they give you like ten minutes, and it probably only takes three to five minutes to get out. Right. And so uh, maybe maybe it takes longer than that. Whatever. It, it's you, not. You, it's not super long. Yeah, but like the point is that you are waiting for Shadow for at least a full minute. Yeah. And that's if you like got in a lot yeah. of random battles on the way. Yeah, but it's like no matter what, you are just sitting there doing nothing mm-hmm. for possibly minutes. Yeah, if you're smart, um, you're not moving because you don't want to get in a random encounter that's gonna right. <laughs> take you over the over the time limit. Yeah, and so yeah, the first time I played, I didn't didn't know that that was a thing. I was like, oh shit, Shadow's dead. Yeah, he's just gone, and like whatever you had on him, he's gone. Um, I. I'm trying to remember because it's actually been a couple of years since I've played uh, super deep into uh, into the game. Sometimes I just like think about it and I'm just like, man, I don't know if I'm ready to have like have it be over because I always feel like sad when it's over. Like it's just right. it, it hits the same the same way almost every time I play it. Um, but I don't know if uh, you ever run into his dog again, uh, Inter- Interceptor, uh, in, like in the world of Ruin. Um, oh. I don't remember already. Um, Because I know that... I think you do, actually. I think that Interceptor goes to Realm, though. Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm pretty sure. Because uh, uh, he... She's, like, the only other character other than Shadow that the dog likes. Uh, Right. And it's because, if nothing else, the fact that, you know, you kind of know that a dog... He looks like a German Shepherd, so you're probably getting about 10 to 13 years. That's about how old he could be. And so it kind of gives you an idea about how long ago which really wasn't that long ago that shadow left like he's only been separated from realm for a while um and i think that um it's really interesting because i mean his name is uh clyde not to be confused with clive from final fantasy 16 um but clyde and he was just a dude he's a he's a train robber and i guess you know we're going back yeah. to the wild west themes and uh you know one job gone wrong and uh, he's just had a lot of tragedy in his life. We, I think we're, I don't know if we're told, but we know that Realm's mom is dead, right? Like she didn't just like leave. She's, she's dead. If I recall. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then, you know, you have these, you know, scars left on this little girl because like she has no mom and her dad just like disappears. And she, she, I don't, you know, she doesn't know like where he's at, how he's doing um, anything. And so uh, there, there, I mean, there's only so much you can, like get into with uh you know a cartridge at the time and 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 the text that they were allowed to to put in there but it's 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 pretty significant f- for 1994 yeah. and what what i think i love about it is the fact that the first time i played it um not only did i let shadow die but i i made no strong connection between him and realm right like i was just like well this guy's here he he's really good yeah. i want him in my party but uh but he, you know, in some ways, he feels as tangential to the main narrative. If we were to pick like one of these things as the main narrative, mm-hmm. as um the swordsman guy, I forget his name. Uh, Cyan. Yeah, Cyan. So like, um, Cyan. I think some people he's their favorite character, but mm-hmm. to me, he feels the most uh, separate to the story being told. Yeah, well, he's um, like the only one with we- like a British accent. Like everybody else just talks regular, except for Gao, but. Yeah, but yeah, but he also just like uh, his narrative is so everyone else has something within 
a core relationship in the game that feeds back to the kind of like central story Mm -hmm. except for him right like uh and so i think that that is why he just i don't know he's harder to connect with in some ways but uh it it also allows him to have sort of the funny it's not that funny it's kind of sad but it's also kind of funny the post world of ruin storyline that he does oh yeah Um, oh yeah that is yeah yeah, that's really good i don't even know if we're gonna get a chance to talk about it but it's real good yeah but like to me uh shadow was as tangential to the game as him especially like once he was gone i was like okay so like he didn't even matter like he was just like it was almost like the game was giving me a a step ladder yeah and he was there to like help you get through uh saban's quest when he get when he needs to go through the belt uh and you meet him right right away when you go over the waterfall exactly and it's like okay so you don't at this point you shouldn't need you know a helping hand so we're taking this guy back and i was just like yeah that 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 makes sense that's how games are yeah they, but, they, uh, they do these things and then no there he he's he's actually more central to uh you know some of this stuff than some of the other characters yeah yeah i think i mean cyan's tie-in i suppose would be the just uh his his motivations aren't simply revenge but you know kefka poisoning literally everyone he knows and like his, yeah. the, the the city castle of doma and uh you know losing his wife and son uh created like some trauma uh which he i think is probably what he is dealing with when he has his side quest and right like writing yeah. those letters uh for sure uh, uh later later on in the game which is oh man it's so good maybe we'll have another final fantasy 6 uh podcast sometime but like <laughs> he, but like the realm thing and like there's actually a cut scene that um i had showed you uh, I was written about in yeah. uh, in the final the Legend of Final Fantasy VI book from uh, third third editions press, uh, where Strago basically asks, he's like, it's I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, I just want to see your face. I want to I want to know if it's if you're him, and if you are, you know, I just want to know that, you know, we don't have to really talk about it. I just want to be able to move on. But like, I need to I need to know. And then Shadow like faces him, takes his mask off something is either confirmed or not and then they they sort of move on and i i don't really know that that added anything like i'm not upset that it was cut but i am interested in it uh just just from a a story perspective because it 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 shows the the protectiveness that strago feels for realm and i think he's ultimately trying to prevent her from getting hurt if he were to take off again yeah and i think that so this is something i you know replaying final fantasy 6 was I did not remember this narrative because when I played it the first time, uh, it basically didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was interesting, especially playing it right after God of War 2018, which is a very, you know, it, it's a story about being a dad, yep. essentially. Yeah. And then, so dad of have, boy, 2018. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so to have this story tucked in there so neatly and mm-hmm. so missable, um, it felt... Uh, just kind of felt awesome but also like very powerful that it's like because i know most people when they played final fantasy 6 did not have a child right um yeah i mean some people probably did but no one i knew and some people probably did but like i feel like in nine what was this 1995 94 1995 was chrono trigger these like i said these are just burned into my memory (laughs) these years yeah but like 1994 the amount of dads playing a new rpg on the super nintendo was it had to have been so minimal well i mean what do we say the game sold 200 and some thousand copies like how many how many were sold and like only a fraction of that were going to be some dads yeah and it's like it was mostly tim rogers has an essay about you know this game as well and like you know your story about 
playing this game when it came out it's like most people who were playing it when it came out were i would guess between 11 and 17 yeah that's Um, that's fair i think that's fair yeah and so some of those people may have had kids you know people gonna have kids whenever they have kids but uh but there i think were very few you know 35 year old people playing this game sure thinking of their kid yeah or I mean, maybe they're thinking of their kid because they're like, "Oh, this is a game my kid would like." You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's your your spot on. And so it's interesting to come to these games at different times in your life. Like, yeah, uh, you know, Miyazaki somewhat famously said that you should only watch Totoro, My Neighbor Totoro, twice. It's like when you're a kid and when you're an adult. Yeah, and it's like that's such a fascinating and also uh, stupid view of things like no one's gonna do that no because we don't we we don't do that's not how we engage with media that we love or right and and even thinking of you know what you said about mother three it's like you're you're trying to you're trying to space it out because you know once it's gone it it is in a certain way gone you can play Mm -hmm. it again but you're a different person then yeah and you get and and there uh, there are parts i think i can't wait to i can't wait till you do play it so that you can see what i'm talking about there's just some parts that are like heavy in a sense that you you need to you you should sit with it to 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 see where your head is at when the dust settles right and i think that um you know games that can do that where you come to it at different times and part of this what's easy with it with final fantasy uh, 6 is there's so many characters yeah so like you can kind of latch on to different ones depending on how you feel yeah but i think you know final fantasy 4 has a lot of characters but i think uh you really only get one experience of that right you know i mean cecil there's not yeah and there's and there's also just like there's not there's not enough ambiguity for you to uh come to that as a different person and experience it completely differently Mm -hmm. you're absolutely Um, right part of it is you know kind of a i like final fantasy 4 but it is a very silly game especially playing it post like god of war 2018 where it's like that's a very narratively driven game with very like heavy and serious themes, mm-hmm. and then Final Fantasy four is a uh, four and five. Wet. Yeah, <laughs> they're, yeah. They're, they're zany. They're legitimately yeah, zany. Exactly, and even to the point in Final Fantasy four, people keep killing themselves to sacrifice themselves for uh for you know the heroes. Yeah, um, and at a certain point, it becomes so absurd how many times people sacrifice themselves for you. Right, and I remember thinking. The moment that I was thinking that, literally the next line out of Kane's mouth was like, it was something, you know, similar to, why does everyone keep killing themselves? Yeah. And I was like, I was like, yes, exactly. And like, I burst out laughing. I bet you, like, I bet you that was like a late addition to the script when they sat back, maybe reread <laughs> it and realized, yo, everyone is doing this thing that's, it's going to be, it's noticeable. It is not, it, it is yeah. very noticeable that like, <laughs> that is like a, a, a very hard and fast theme in the game yeah and it's almost even kind of funny too because you do make uh some of these characters you have stronger emotional ties to from the narrative Mm -hmm. and then one of the characters that you end the game with i think his name is edge he's the the ninja yep uh he he just kind of like comes at the end and he's he's good but you don't you don't i don't know it's like it's you don't get him till late yeah it'd be like if you wrote uh you know lord of the rings and um i don't know legolas marion yeah for example well legolas is so well yeah even as legolas is that that is kind of what it is but it'd be also like if they introduced marion pippin like halfway through 
the return of the king yeah and they're like oh yeah these guys are important too and you're like oh, i guess yeah uh, why, <laughs> if, why, where were they like you know yeah like, um oh man and so so like what you said about like everyone like latching onto other characters the thing that made me like laugh and like think about that is my favorite character when i first started playing it was always um sabin or sabin or however mm, you want to yeah. say it uh, he was the karate man and he did all the karate moves uh, and suplex I, a train oh so good oh my god it's so good <laughs> i don't care what anybody says it's so good and um you know like he's there's a there's a, a a familial uh dynamic there too with his brother edgar um i think they're twins but edgar's slightly older and so um you know they uh, they have this interesting dynamic which like i don't think that they ever really like resent each other or dislike each other but they do have a very big disagreement about the way that the kingdom should be run um, once their father dies, uh, and so Edgar takes it upon himself to use a trick coin to allow Saban his freedom to go and be a karate man in the world uh, while he runs uh, Figaro. And I always thought that was really cool. Um, and you know, yeah. now that I have uh, kids, I see a lot of both my <laughs> both of my boys in those two characters. And so whenever I play right. it, I always name them uh, after my 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 two boys because you know the younger one is the more fiery and passionate and more into oh, like you know kicking and punching things and you know my my older one is more into like making a process and a plan and you know uh building things and stuff like that and so it like really works out that uh, they're just they're just those two characters <laughs> from final fantasy yeah. 6 um do you have a do you have a brother uh yeah i have uh i have three half brothers and three half sisters um the youngest okay. of them i was a kind of a an oops uh, 10 years <laughs> 10 years after the last one so oh, okay they're all much much yeah. older yeah so yeah so the, you i have some friends like that where it's almost like i mean their brothers are their brothers but kind of they're not yeah you know, they're also not old enough to be like an uncle but right it, it's almost like it's almost like you grew up in different families yeah. because they're like a, like a, it's not like not a, maybe a little closer than a cousin but like in similar ways like you know because you don't have a you don't have a frame of reference to talk about stuff like you guys are just yeah. like into different things even at this stage where you know i you know i'm in my 40s and my the, the closest sibling is you know in their 50s like that's just yeah and it's like i mean i always think of this because it's like uh i had two roommates in college who had the same kind of gap which i found was interesting but uh you know when you're 10 years old and your brother is 20 yeah it means like you know they're in college yeah, they are doing such different things than you. Yeah, just different, a different planet worth of stuff. Yeah, and then like when you're in college, where things like having a kid are the farthest thing from your mind, mm -hmm. your siblings probably have kids. Yep. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like it. Yeah, like I have cousins who are ten years younger than me, and I guess that would be the the, the most similar. Yeah. Um, because like, uh, so my cousin is, I, I think she's, they're nine and ten years younger than me. Okay. And then my first nephew is i think 12 years younger than them so it's like they're they're just caught between both sets of us like yeah. they're not young enough to be like a nephew and they're not old enough to really be our peer right um you know now that now that they're like in their mid-20s it's there's more uh in common with us because you know we're we're more or less doing the same things now right but uh yeah they just got yeah, more energy to do different. it being being in their 20s yeah <laughs> that's that's how it was for me yeah um yeah so i don't know I, maybe that's why i like it because there's so many things in this game that are like 
like familial bonds are are, are significant. Um, you know, there's and it's not always even um, the the bond between an actual parent and child. There's a, a the very first scene, the opening of the World of Ruin. You see Celeste and um, Sid. Uh, right. Like Sid takes care of Celeste at first because she's like you know like in a coma or something almost. Basically, they wash up on a shore of like there's like a cabin and that's like the only thing there. Um, and then so she, he nurses Celeste back to health and then Sid takes ill and Celeste has to nurse him back to health. And unless you're like real, not. yeah, well, I was going to say, unless you're real good at catching those fast moving fish, because the slower ones are like basically they're some of them might be poisonous too. I don't remember now. Um, yeah. but like the fast moving fish are the only ones that, that are good for him and you have to catch a number of them. Like, it's not just like two, like it's, you have to catch a few and then, you know, Sid either lives or dies, uh, which doesn't necessarily have a huge impact on the story but it does have an impact on you at the time because you're spending yeah. you're spending a, a a chunk of the game trying to like nurse this dude back to health and it's disappointing if he dies like and so you right. kind of you kind of feel that you know you're kind of like oh man that sucks because like she doesn't have anyone now she's really alone and so she's got to like set out on her own uh like i don't know what's she gonna like what's she gonna what choice is she going to make um based on this yeah. And I think uh, the true, so people, people can nurse him back to health. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard and it's tedious. I think tedious is. is like the more important thing. But uh, I also think for that reason, the, you're not supposed to let him live. Yeah. Like, I, th- I do think just, he's supposed to die there. Yeah. Because I, I've never kept him alive, but I feel like that would change Celis's uh, whole narrative. If it, do- it would, <laughs> he, he stayed, he stayed alive. Um, I mean, because for me, the reason I did it is because, like, the first time he died, you know, and I think most people's yeah. first, uh, uh, you know, encounter with this this scene is that, that he dies, uh, and that's kind of like your. I always feel like your first playthrough is kind of like your canon playthrough, like that's yeah. what kind of establishes it in your head, and um, so like me making him like allowing him to live is just kind of like I don't know, he's just like retired out there, but like her mission stays the same because I know that like he's dead, or maybe like she's pretending that he's alive. Like maybe she's like, it was so traumatic for her. She had a thing where it's just like, I'm just going to believe that he's alive on this island that I'm leaving behind. Uh, You know, you can visit him again, you know, when he's alive. But uh, again, it doesn't have an impact on the story. So I think that, yeah, absolutely. The canon, the canon version is where he uh, is where he dies. Um, It's more impactful, too. Like, I'm not a big fan of killing characters. That's why I think it's like the real narrative, you know. Yeah, like I, I don't like killing characters just for killing characters' sake. Like a lot, of, like a lot of TV shows. Like I, not actually Game of Thrones, which does kill a lot of main characters sometimes for shock value. It seems, but there's usually an underlying thing, especially in the books. Um, yeah. But like, uh, character death is like a, a lot of times a, a motivating factor moving forward. You can't that character would not have the push they need if they were gonna. You know, they would. They might stay complacent living. You know, on that island with Sid for the rest of their life. You know, like if that was Celeste. Right. Um, it, I don't know. I think that, uh, like, I mean, you're not going to have a much more traumatic event than the end of the world, I suppose. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, and so, you know, it, the way that it scatters everybody everywhere. Um, and the thing that I think is most interesting about that is that literally every, all the characters become optional. You don't right. have, there's none beyond Celeste that you have to recruit. Even Tara, who is the face of the game, more or less. I mean, it's been yeah. so, some folks would argue Locke's the main character, but it's Tara. Tara's the main character if you're going to have one. Yeah. Um, it's a very decentralized. The, theme of the world is her theme. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Her theme, Tara's theme, is the theme of the world, and you know, Tara does mean like Earth <laughs> world. <Yeah. laughs> so like, um, so like, 
it's just it's wild to me that like you can have like her be like the main character but they're 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 very decentralized actually katase had said once uh he did an interview i can't remember where this interview came from but i did write the quote down he said we started final fantasy 6 with the idea that each character could be the main hero of the tale which Mm. i didn't read until i was an adult and when i played that game like all my friends had different favorite characters and so like they would they would all name themselves after like their favorite character when they played it and Uh um so like I thought that was really cool, and I think it's really cool that you can legitimately just skip getting the main character halfway through the game. Like you can just ditch her. Like <laughs> yeah, and what's so I uh, I despite what I said about you know playing this without a guide, I did eventually use a guide because I wanted to find Locke. I couldn't find him. Yeah, and um, it's it's one of those things where it's like I I heard there's someone on this island or like something like that. Yeah, and I I read it probably ten hours before I finally found him. I was just like oh my god, like yeah. Of course, it's that it's that incidental. Yeah. But uh, I think one of the interesting things that you you pointed out too is the familial nature of mm-hmm. the narratives, um, just because it's like so many games and even books and movies are basically about uh, people without familial connections. Right. You know, it's like even Final Fantasy does this. You know, orphans yeah. with uh, amnesia is a very yeah <laughs> big and theme. it's something I never thought about until my wife probably like 10 years ago um she was like she's like it's so weird that no one in like a fantasy novel ever has a parent um and it's like oh yeah because yeah. like and it, you you understand why from a narrative perspective right because it's easier right you know it's easier to send someone out on a wild quest when they have nothing to hold them to right no zero zero anchors to yeah like you yeah, said but to, like to place. especially like you know if i was like hey joe um you know I found your dream job and it's going to pay you a million dollars a year. But the catch is that you have to leave your family behind. Yeah. And even if you can like like, contact them and see them once in a while, like you would still probably say no because. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, uh, and so I think that the the lack of that tension Mm -hmm. is noticeable. Um, But like uh, Final Fantasy does or Final Fantasy six anyway, does have this strong familial kind of, uh, quality to it which right. is not only rare then but it, it still mostly continues to be rare yeah even even after the last of us and like god of war 2018 it's like those games are notable for the inclusion of family right. of, of like a parental guard or a guardian type figure right. um because like for whatever reason maybe it just doesn't sell maybe they've done like focus groups where it doesn't sell but I mean, Tara takes care of like a bunch of orphans, like that have lost yeah. their. They've lost their parents, and Tara becomes like their mom, and she's yeah. protecting them from one of these like horrible creatures, uh, Fun Baba or Hum Baba, in some of the other translations. Like it's one of the monsters Kefka releases when he destroys the world, right. and you know because she's got this ability, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, and she's like using it to like. Well, in some ways, she's also hiding, but that's a that's a side yeah. point. That's not really in theme with what we're talking about. But uh, hiding in a away sense, from it's kind of like I think it's like her trying to find salvation. It's like mm-hmm. you know she inadvertently caused the genocide of her people, right? By by just by going home, right? She caused the death of all of them, right? And so in a way, it's like this is her, and I think this is more than her hiding. It's like this is her atoning. Yeah, it's like you know, I I am the reason the world was destroyed, right? And my, with what is remaining of my life, I'm going to try to help these people build a world that they can live in. Right. Um, which is fascinating by itself. 
Yeah, it's but, like there's uh, so much good. There's so many good like deep themes that they literally like, they couldn't e- explore more because of the, the limitations of the hardware. Um, right. You, you you feel like if this was made today, and maybe if we ever get like a Final Fantasy VI remake, a lot of this stuff could be um, more like even more fleshed out because like I think it's I think it was always there. I don't think that we're yeah grasping at straws or like uh, putting a narrative over a thing that isn't there because it seems like looks convenient. Uh, you see that a lot in sometimes like academic writing, <laughs> but like, I think like what we're doing here is just identifying something that's there and just wondering what else there could have been uh, aside from the hardware limitations. Yeah. And I, th- I think the good thing about hardware limitations that people never really uh, see as a benefit is like now that space and memory and things like that are not limitations on what you can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they're so the abstracted nature of the RPG, you know, battle is abstracted. It doesn't right. feel like an actual fight. And so from the very get go, you are sort of abstracting everything. And you're so you're using what they're giving you as uh, more like reference points yeah. to the to the story and the game and things like that. For sure. And so I think when they drop a breadcrumb, you know, of narrative, whether it's about shadow or just uh you know narratively imply things rather than say them outright Mm -hmm. uh because you're primed already for this abstraction you throw yourself into what's missing in the narrative yeah um and i think what's lost with like graphical fidelity and you know all this stuff and what i would like to call the uh the babification of media (laughs) um is that not wrong yeah it's like people uh People just, unless something's explicitly laid out before them, they're like, oh, that wasn't there. Right. Or they're like, it was too uh, esoteric to understand. Sorry, my, I got a dog right. over here that's like m- making mouth sounds near the microphone. So I apologize to any listeners for that. Hell yeah. Better, <laughs> than, better than human mouth sounds. That's true. That is true. 100%. <laughs> or is it? Um, well, we are getting to be yeah. Like, did you did you have any? No, that was all I really points? wanted to say. Like, I got okay. I hit all my all my main points. Um, I, I I could talk about so many other things about this game. It does so much well. Uh, in my opinion, it does very little like badly. Um, yeah. I know that I know that I also have rose tinted glasses when it comes to this game. But like, I think objectively, there's very little about this game that is like a miss. Um, as far like it just hits so many so many things that any any shortcomings that may or may not have for for others are, are almost uh negated i don't want to say completely negated but um yeah i think that's yeah. all i really wanted to say for this uh i would largely agree with that too i'll just say one last thing yeah yeah is that i think playing the game you know 30 years removed from when it first came out did make for an interesting experience because you notice how many fucking random battles there are oh yeah like way more than uh a lot of other games yeah even contemporary games nice and nice the, th- the nice thing is in the pixel remasters you can turn that off you just click the right stick and you can turn oh, random nice. you just turn random encounters off so you just grind when you want you just level up when you want yeah. otherwise you can just explore which is which is yeah. great perfect and then the other thing i'll say is uh i think the boldness of the world of ruin was like one of the most important things to happen in video game history but at the same time you it turns this game that is like uh pretty has a has a pretty solid pace mm-hmm. going throughout and then it kind of quagmires yeah um and like you said you know that is kind of self-guided like you can get as much or as little as you want you don't right. have to get all the characters once you get four characters you know you could beeline to the ending or just beeline to the ending 
as Celis. Right. Um, but I think that it, it causes, it's kind of the issue with any open world game still today, which is like, uh, it's difficult to have an open world function in the way that people want to play it while also making the narrative feel essential. Right. It is um, because it just, if there's too much stuff and too much like seeming filler uh, or open space, uh, dead air, yeah. uh, it just does it doesn't, it feels less important. Yeah. And so like, I would say that I spent probably at least 10 hours in the world of ruin, probably more. I have no idea, but you know, t- at least 10 hours to like find everybody and gather mm-hmm. them all together. Yeah. Um, you, you know, someone, especially if you know where they all are, you could probably do that in two or three hours. Yeah. It's shorter. Or, I can't remember exactly, you know, but yeah. Yeah, because you can just beeline right to where they are, and you have an airship, so you can do that. Yeah. But, um, you know, it it's not, it's one of those things where now I see it more as a flaw, whereas, but you know, at the time, yeah, it's so literally, you know, groundbreaking and earth shattering that uh, I think that shock and awe mm-hmm. carries you for a long time. It, it paves um, the way for a lot of stuff that would come later. Yeah, and it, so it's different. And like I just played Final Fantasy Nine. And uh, I didn't do a lot of the side quests because I was just like, you know, I'm not I'm yeah. 12. I'm not 12 anymore. Yeah. And you done it. <laughs> you, you know that you got it. You done it. You've seen it before. Yeah. And it's like, I have other things to do than like yeah. know, hunt with chocobos for the next 10 hours. Yeah. But, uh, um, but yeah, but I think it is both one of the most important things in gaming history along with, oh man, we didn't even mention the opera scene. Oh we yeah. Have to, we have to, we have to have a real, uh, final fantasy 6 episode again yeah the- where we just where we just chat chat about the, the 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 game at large rather than just the like the familial and parenting yeah <laughs> tones and hits and beats yeah yeah but so, yeah great game yeah one of the best and i think it's a good combination with super mario rpg because yeah i don't think super mario rpg happens without this game right uh and definitely doesn't happen without chrono trigger which right. is like the first true uh cross company collaborations mm-hmm. that i think we have seen in video games yeah at the time. yeah and we'll, we'll we'll talk about some of those uh we'll we'll, we'll 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 hit chrono trigger there's like almost zero doubt in my mind that we're going to talk about chrono trigger yeah. um so and for anybody interestingly, hoping... I'm, I'm playing it with my son right now so oh, like, it's so uh... good it's just so good <laughs> yeah but um, i think yeah that's that's a good place to yeah to wrap it up. so just let it just let uh, anybody who's listening know where uh they can send questions if you if you oh, have yep. if you have that if not uh, if you don't have it handy we'll just uh, toss it in the show notes. Yep, it is dadpod.blankcast at gmail dot com. Um, oh. and then a few other things is I wrote an essay about Final Fantasy VI uh, almost two years ago, and by the time these are out, there will also be an essay about Mario RPG up on my website that we'll, we'll we'll link that in the show notes too. yeah yeah check check the notes the notes are good there's good stuff in the notes <laughs> yeah so but uh yeah that's all we got for now let's go ahead and uh and sign off and uh and and let the let the let the listeners get back to what what whatever they're going to do for the rest of the day or, yeah. or night <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right all right signing off <laughs>